0: Just a quick content warning, there are a couple of mentions of child sexual abuse in the beginning of this podcast. If that would be a tough listen for you, consider skipping through the opening chit chat and going straight to the recap at about 50 minutes in or skipping this episode altogether. Hey guys, Princess here and welcome to another episode of By Pumpkin. Um, It's been a long, long time since I've done a podcast. I took a little vacation and then I, if you haven't seen me online or if you're one of the few people who actually has my phone number, um, I haven't really been communicating because I took a little phone vacation as well. So I'm back now. Um, I would say that I didn't do much during that time. I did start rewatching Six Feet Under, I mean... Can you believe this show's 20 fucking years old, right? It came out in 2001. Um, And I had forgotten how unlikable all the characters are. (laughs) They're all very annoying. I guess the one I like the most would have to be Claire. And I think, I I wouldn't say I like her. I definitely understand her. Mostly because I was about her age when this show was coming on i sometimes she's dressed a certain way i'm like oh i remember doing that i remember having like a sarong of some sort over jeans <laughs> i remember that i think also think Claire's very beautiful um obviously and also in that first season where she's like in love with gabe she's in high school she's in love with gabriel demas who has all these fucking demons and she's kind of like his babysitter. That reminded me of my high school boyfriend. I mean, we did it till after high school, on and off. Uh, he looked a lot like Gabe. He was very tall and lanky, even the nose, the eyes. I mean, he was black, but other than that, he looked, facial hair was the same, He and so much of that storyline resonates. So it might be Claire I enjoy watching on screen as much, but I don't know if I like her. Um, I don't know. Um, I was talking to somebody and I don't remember where, whether I was on Twitter or what, or in person, but they were like, the show is about Claire. And it's like, yeah, I like, listen, Claire is, is the the person I connect with most throughout this show. The show's not about fucking Claire. The show is about Nate. The show's about Nate. It starts with them going to pick up Nate. To, the show starts when Nate shows up. <laughs> And stops when Nate dies. I forget which episode he dies in because, but I'm only three episodes from the finale, which I'm trying to avoid watching because that finale, that finale is tough. I have always cried at that fucking finale. But um, yeah, he either dies in the second to last episode or the last episode, and then the show is done. The show is about me. He gets the most screen time. He has the most storylines. I think Peter Krause is it Krause or Cross? Uh, gets the top building even though it's like obviously an ensemble cast but he gets top building I think it's it's interesting to think that that this Peter guy has had has done very well for himself in television most people most actors don't get multiple series over the course of their of their career long running series too um most television shows don't last. Like a television show that lasts more than three seasons is a big fucking deal. A lot of them are once one seasons or even less than that. Um, and he's been on quite a few shows. He's been on Six Feet Under. He's been on Parenthood. He's been on. Um, he's on Nine One One right now, which I assume they got a truck, filled it with money, and backed it up to his house and dumped it on his lawn to get him to do it because. You know, it's a it, nine nine one one is a very campy, campy fucking show. Campy. Um, it reminds me a lot of Nip Tuck, and for obvious reasons, it's another Ryan Murphy production. Um, I will say, <laughs> I think I said this before. I will say, you need to like if you can turn your brain off, watch nine one one. It is a deliciously ridiculous show. Like, if you sit there and try to think about how they flushed that baby down the toilet and then saved the baby in a pipe in the sewer, you're going to find some plot holes, okay? (laughs) But if you don't think too hard about it, you just go, look at Angela Bassett acting with her nostrils again. Look at her flaring them nostrils and leaving her gay husband and getting with Peter Krauss or Krauss or whatever, Cross or whatever his name is. And and but he's a firefighter who killed his family in a fucking fire when he was an alcoholic. Like if you just like get into that, get into Jennifer Love Hewitt heaving bosoms all the time. She's always breathing a little hard. If you can get into that, if you can enjoy yourself. There's a guy, God, I forget his name. He's the Asian guy on the show, but I forget what his name is on the show. And he survived a pipe going through his head. And is still a firefighter EMT. <laughs> there's a custody, um, there's a custody battle between shit. I forget her name. She's a black lady who's bald headed and has a wife. And there's a custody battle because they have the they're raising the son of her ex girlfriend who's in prison. But she gets out of prison, and she and down she's gonna sleep with her again. And then it's a whole thing going on. Hen, Henrietta, Hen, dude. This show is very watchable and very much a getaway during this time. Like where I mean, like news is tough. The world is fucking tough. And it's just nice to like watch some shit that has no basis in reality whatsoever. It's how I felt about Good Girls. Good Girls just got canceled. Who's gonna flood my basement now that Rio won't be on my screen? I can't have my basement all dry. We got to figure something out. <laughs> but number one's good show. Um, Angel Bass is on there on the on the Lone Star one, which, which I do need to catch up on because I haven't been watching it. I've been busy, but uh, <laughs> busy watching Six Feet Under. But um, the, they got Liv Tyler on it, I think. I mean, they got Rob Lowe on it. I mean, they, they're paying some, money. Fox is paying people money to be on this wacky, wacky, wacky show. So, so I mean, you know, don't let them waste your money. Watch a couple episodes, see how you feel about it. But back to Six Feet Under. Um, the show is definitely about Nate and I hate Nate. I don't know, he's such a fuck boy. And it's so hard for me to be like, even feel bad for him because I'm like, he's such a fuck boy. There's so many unresolved shit with him that he then brings into other people's lives and fucks up their lives too. This, (laughs) I don't like Brenda either. (laughs) And I really hated Lisa. I really hated Lisa with her soft voice and her vegan food. I fucking hated her. But this storyline towards the end, and I'm not like spoiling it for you guys, the fucking show is 20 years old. Um, towards the end where he and is, having he and Brenda's relationship is over, it's ending. Because you know, it's built on, it's built on them both wishing they were somebody they weren't, right? And yeah, they're arguing about, cause Brenda's pregnant and some tests came back, iffy and the doctor wants to do an amniocentesis on her and and to you know that's when they they stick a needle i think in there and get like cells and fluid and do dna tests and, th- and various tests on them that let you know like any kind of genetic um disorders your kids may your kid may have and like nate wants to do it because nate wants then to, to like if the child has downs or maybe spina bifida or anything else that would be like a great burden on the family. He wants to uh terminate the pregnancy. Brenda is not gonna terminate this pregnancy no matter what. She really wants this fucking pregnancy. Brenda does this flip on us. She's like Claire actually says this about someone else, but she's like this danger slut. This <laughs> at the beginning, this intellectual, spiritual Bullshit danger slut at the beginning of the first couple of seasons, and then they make her become a therapist, and everything's fine. I'm like, dude, do you not know? Therapists are just as fucked up as everybody else, they just have better language about it. They just they're either they're they're they have better language about it, and they know more about it, so they're better at hiding it at least when they need to do their work. But, but anyway, she's she's become a therapist, so everything must be fine. Never mind that you got major sexual tension with your fucking brother, but everything is fine. Okay. But she really wants this fucking baby all of a sudden. And they're arguing about that sort of stuff. And instead of going to therapy, Nate fuckboy... <laughs> Nate might be the king of fuckboys, guys. King fuckboy himself is like, you know what, let's just go to a Quaker meeting. <laughs> Let's just be filled with the presence of God. <laughs> um, and we'll, you know, we'll discuss this major, this major disagreement we as a married couple are having about a baby that is literally growing inside you right now. We'll figure that out. But first let's just, and the reason I want to go to this quicker meeting because this chick that I'm getting very close to and I'm eventually going to fuck, <laughs> is a part of this. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, it doesn't help that in season two, he looked a lot like Keith Urban. <laughs> like, just, lots of wispy hair. Goatee. What, what you doing over there, Nate? <laughs> but, you know, my biggest complaint is that, because I'm nearing the end of season five right now, is that towards the end of season four, it really feels like there was a shift in the writer room. Some people left. Maybe the showrunner. under I don't know, but some shit shifted because they went from... All of a sudden, they at the end of season four, they try to slam down our fucking throats that Lisa, she of the whisper fucking voice, has been sleeping with her sister's husband for years, apparently. Um, no, Also, by the way, nobody's ever... So once we realize this, nobody's like, hey, is uh, Maya actually Nate's kid? Or you want to check? Anybody want to check? So, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um... They slant like. Listen, I have had to write around my share of plot holes. I have worked on projects where I've had to ghost write a second half of something that someone else did the first part, or like in a series. So like, I gotta I gotta be careful. Um, but like some some parts were already out and I had to finish it up. And I I understand what that's like. I also understand writing yourself in the corner. Everybody's done that. But that's why I'm recognizing it because if they had planned on this to be the thing, there would be breadcrumbs throughout that throughout season 4. Hopefully, um and then, I mean Hoyt was already always weird, but whatever. I chalk it up to him being played by uh, the fucking detective from Veronica Mars, and that character's weird, and I just thought that I was, like, feeling that off, or whatever. Instead of, like, leaving us breadcrumbs, they hit us in the face with a fucking whole loaf of bread, and that's just, it's just not the best way to do it. And so now I'm supposed to believe this, and then you're going to wait until, then you're going to go into season five and make me watch Brenda watch a videotape of Nate and lisa's wedding and so you can stick in a fight between lisa and Hoyt. it just was too much and you know uh they did the same thing with george right george obviously gets on the screen in his unlikable not the first two episodes but three episodes and he's married to the ruth <laughs> but um Obviously he's unlikable. He's got all these ex-wives. That's like, what's that about? He's got all these kids. One's a kid that's sending shit, literal shit, to their house. Uh, he's just got a lot of secrets. He's he's very unlikable. Then he starts building a bomb shelter, and the next thing we know, they they have EMTs pulling him out of this barricaded bomb shelter, sending him off to a mental hospital of some sort, I suppose, and finding out that he's had a long history of mental illness. Ruth feels flip-flammed, flammed, right? Because she's like, I did not marry someone. He's getting shock therapy. He's like, I did not marry someone to take care of them like this. And I'm like, Ruth, you knew this dude for like a solid two weeks before you married him. This is ridiculous. And then Ruth who I had major problems with throughout this whole fucking series anyway. The first time around, I thought she was, I, I was like, I felt kind of sorry for her. She was always like, I don't know, she's very uptight. She'd always get to the point where she starts screaming. Like... <laughs> You know, she wouldn't say nothing, 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 nothing. Look at you, look at you, look at you. And then yell, why does no one ever eat my green beans? Why? Why? And it's like, okay, well, you know you gonna say? you me been serving these green beans for months. You weren't gonna say shit about the green beans. Are the green beans important to you, Ruth? Are they important to you? Like, could you mention that? Or are we just gonna start screaming here and ruin my fucking... I'm trying to digest my food. Like, what are you doing, Ruth? But anyway, so Ruth decides kind of that she just really wants to... She doesn't want to do this. She didn't sign up for this. She didn't want to spend the rest of her life um, trying to see what kind of days are good and what kind of days are bad and checking them in the hospitals and (sighs) dropping them off for shock therapy and stuff, which, listen, I can understand. I can understand feeling bamboozled, right? But what she does is she tells him they should get an apartment away from the house because the house is the funeral home and people are, Rico, I think Rico was still living there uh, at this point. Because, you know, Rico moved in after the after uh, his he left his wife. Um, or his wife left him because he's an idiot. But, <laughs> um, so she says we're going to get an apartment. She starts moving his all all of his things over there. She brings one change of clothes. He's like, where are the pots? And she's like, oh, I left them. I must have left them. He's like, all right, we'll go get them. And she's like, oh, let's just go to Crate and Barrel and get another set of pots. Oh, let's just get in the set of pots. Don't worry about it. He's like, well, those ones are almost brand new. He's like, oh, we'll get another one. Then she leaves and kind of like doesn't come back for a while. And I think it's about a week that he realizes she dumped him there and has no intention of coming back. And while I understand the impulse, it was only, for me, it was only two steps up. Remember, like, When people used to think it was okay... If they didn't want a dog anymore... To drive it down the highway... Let it out and drive away... Remember when people used to do shit like that? (sighs) Like... I'm thinking like... I'm thinking about like mid-80s... Like an uncle or somebody... Somebody that already had questionable fucking judgment... Doing some shit like that... Where they were just like... Eh, we'll just leave them here... And we'll just... Like... That is something I find horrific... I think what Ruth did was only two steps up from that, only because she got him an apartment. Everything was in his name and stuff. And he thanks her for it. I was like, George, she... This is disrespectful. (laughs) You're still a human being. Not an unwanted guinea pig or something that you put in a box and leave on someone's doorstep and hope they take... I don't know... I. All these scenarios sound terrible to me. Fucking terrible to me. But I'm just saying, like, I was just really... And, you know, it's hard for me to like Ruth. When we start, when we start, Ruth's in the middle of an affair, which I don't blame her for. Nate Sr. was a wackadoo anyway. There's a lot of shit he was handling, he was doing behind her back. But throughout the series, Ruth... Ruth swung from man to man. I always wonder why. Is it because Nathaniel, your husband, was the first one? Was it was like kind of the kind of the first guy you really dated, the first person you had sex with, and then you immediately had to get married. And and is it was it that? I'm not sure. But let me tell you, when I got off the the wagon, when I got off the ride, when she started pursuing Dwight from the office, and like he's an intern, they're getting free. Uh, work from him in exchange for room and board during his internship. Ruth, you cannot follow this man as he's running, as he's jogging. You cannot be up in his room at night and try to kiss him and shit. This is... He's an employee. This is a work situation. You can't do this. Ruth Weinstein, you can't fucking do this shit. You, like... Like... And I think that obviously... Uh... Obviously, I'm exaggerating. Ruth was not Harvey Weinstein, seating him. But there's a power imbalance there. And he, <laughs> you can't do this. You really can't. And I just, why <laughs> was well, like, hey, mom, do you know that you can't, like, bust in on the intern while he's getting dressed because you're fucking lonely and he makes music? Do you think, y'all don't think it's weird that the intern is down here playing, um, what is it? I enjoy being a girl on a, on a, uh, on a piano, and moms over there dancing and singing. You don't think that's you? Nobody thinks. (laughs) Nobody thinks that maybe we might get in trouble for this shit. We're getting sued every five minutes. We leave uh, date. Oh, (laughs) people are losing bodies. We switching bodies and shit, and throwing our ex wives in the ground, even though that's completely fucking illegal, and you fucking know it. And also, I know, I know you want to do what she wanted, but she wanted you to love her, you didn't fucking love her, so I don't know what to tell you. Don't you think we maybe, maybe one thing we can do to keep from getting sued this year is maybe ask mom to stop creeping on the intern. Maybe, I don't know. It, it, <laughs> The only other thing I think about a lot is is Rico. Rico's like four eleven, huh? He's short. I know they 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 film from they film um from below a lot on this show, but with Rico's like Rico's little. He's got to be little. Sometimes when he's in those suits, I was like, are you wearing your daddy suit? What you got on there? Um. I under I felt Rico. Uh, part of the so here's the thing about Rico, who is annoying. Don't get me wrong. He's fucking annoying. He's always something going on. Also homophobic. Uh, I mean, when he call, catches his cousin fucking another dude in his house, I too would be like, why are you in my home getting your trade? What are you doing? You're supposed to be working. But he uses the F slur quite a bit. Um, he's telling David, don't don't get your lifestyle around me. <laughs> and David rightfully says, hey, you made me watch a video of your wife getting giving birth. I saw your wife's vagina. And now all I say is I got a date with a boy and all of a sudden it's too personal up in here. You know, I had my problems with Rico, obviously. But I do understand where he's coming from is that he had a, a, a bond with Nate Sr. Nate Sr. took put him through fucking school and taught him the trade when Nate Jr. left and tried to get as far away from there as possible. And he's better at the restoration than David ever will be. And everybody recognizes that and he has a good understanding of this business. This is all he's ever done. And he may not be related to Mr. Fisher, but I mean, he stayed and did this shit while you were all fucking girls at the food co-op in Seattle or whatever. And later, I believe it's season three, maybe season three that Rico is the only reason they don't go under. He puts in $75,000 or something and becomes Fisher Diaz. And then they still treat him like he's the gopher. In the end, I believe he goes off and buys his own funeral home. And I think it was the best thing. I, first of all, he should have let When he went off to work for Croner, he should have stayed in Gron- with Croner. Uh, there's only so much growth you can do with Fisher and Sons because you're not a son. Sorry, they literally live in the house where the funeral home is. This is a family business, and there's no—you can't. You, I'm sorry. It's—it's—it's it's, it's not going to be. It's never going to be Diaz Funeral Home. So go make Diaz Funeral Home, which I think is what he did in the end. Speaking of David, David, I enjoy his scenes a lot. Um, I think he is very close to. Uh, my, he's my second favorite. He uh, Claire beat him out by just a little bit just because she was wearing outfits I used to wear but I will say Keith is a problematic character it is so hard for me to watch David's scenes where Keith is in them because I am always believing that Keith is two steps from fucking David up. He negs David all the time, David's not good enough not manly enough, not enough not like he it, David's never been good enough and he's been very physical with him a few times where I was like wait is this where did I forget did David does Keith kill David like what's going on even when they get those kids those um, foster kids um they're telling a very typical story that like you go to a foster, Adopt a, a event. You meet like a younger kid who's very sweet, and guess what? They've got a couple of older kids that you aren't know, so fucking sweet. They've been in there a lot longer, and a lot they've seen a lot more, and, and uh, they're a package deal. And so, but I didn't like how Keith handled those kids. I felt like he was very close to fucking them up. Any, I, mean, I almost was like, is he gonna beat these fucking? You can't hit kids in foster care. You. There is no physical punishment. There's no physical, there's no corporal punishment. You cannot hit them. Why are you grabbing them like that? You can't do that. Um, And at one point, uh, the older kid, I think his name is, I forget what his name is, Darrell maybe? And he says, I'm going to tell the case manager or whatever like that. And, And Keith's like, you think those kids, you think they give a fuck about you? They give a damn about you down there? And I'm like, Keith! Keep, this is really bad, and I do understand when the casework comes. You know, when I was fostering, I was always very concerned about things and keeping my paperwork and and making sure I'm handling kids correctly and learning more about trauma and making sure that I am like doing the gig I was supposed to do, helping families for short periods of time, to, so they can reunite and and be back on better footing. But so I understand that and. I was a favorite with my case workers and there are people. There were people like literally lying about shit trying to get kids in my home. I understand that. But at the same time, I understand how that caseworker was like, listen, I, uh, you know, I got two suicide attempts on my caseload and these other kids ran away and this is happening that's happening. Seems okay here. And they're right. It's, sometimes it is like that. Are you feeding them? Do they have a place to go to? Is anyone molesting them here? No? Okay, this thing's okay. And and it is the lesser of two evils, but I just really hate that storyline. I did think it was funny when those kids rolled up in the truck. <laughs> Cause Ruth was too busy making cookies and they just disappeared. And they got in the car and drove away. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Keith makes me nervous. He always made me nervous and so it's harder to enjoy those things. Anybody else I want to talk about? Talking about Ruth. I'm talking about how I hate Nate. <sighs> Billy. I feel like the first time around everybody had a real hard on for Billy. Billy doesn't do it for me. Billy is an obvious three legged puppy what i mean by that is not that because he has a mental illness he's worthless i don't think that way but the fact is he he has to go a long way to managing this he has not figured out how to manage his mental illness he's still on and off meds the he's on this one and does that he doesn't like he's still trying to figure it out and so to purposely put yourself in in any type of relationship with Bi- with Billy while he is still figuring this shit out. And he's only a little bit younger than Brenda. I think Brenda's like 36 or something like that. Maybe I think I always, I feel like they're in their their upper 30s, everybody. So I, I just I have a hard time with this. And it's not that I don't think people should be attracted to Billy or people or no one should ever want to be in a relationship with Billy. But Billy's a three legged puppy. And what I mean by that is When you go to the pound and there's all these puppies in there looking for a home and you can get your pick of puppies. There's brown ones and white ones and black ones and spotted ones. There's all fucking kinds of fucking puppies up in that bitch. Big ones, little ones, yappy ones, quiet ones. (laughs) All kinds of fucking puppies. And you look your ass over in the corner to get the three-legged one. And that's the one you choose. That is something you need to work out with yourself. Because you have decided you're gonna go with the one that needs all the vet care that you're gonna be doing that that you're gonna owe thousands of dollars for vets that you need that you also need to buy a wheelchair for. And oh hey, did you remember that you live on a third floor walk-up? And this is actually a Saint Bernard puppy. So it's gonna weigh a lot. And now and it's only got three legs. And so you are expected to carry the puppy up and down the fucking stairs, right? And <laughs> every time it's gonna take a pee, right? Oh, and did I mention the puppy's blind too? And you're like, yes, give it to me. I want that three-legged blind fucking puppy that I'm going to be carrying on my back up and down these stairs that I'm going to have to take a second job to pay for its vet bills. We are in a moment where you can choose to do that or choose not to. I think Liz referred to it as playing your life on hard mode. That is exactly what choosing a three-legged puppy is. You choose to have this hard point, and it's and that's another thing. That it's it's a whole other story if you're like, hey, I actually live on a farm. I actually have had six Saint Bernards all my life. Oh, uh, a uh, um, uh, a puppy wheelchair. I happen to have one right here. I already own one, and. <laughs> I'm a bodybuilder, and I enjoy picking up big animals all day. i you, That's a different story. But I mean, you walk in there, you're supposed to go get a puppy for your little apartment, and you, and you have all these great choices. You just have to figure it out, and you always choose the one that's going to be the most work, the one that you absolutely don't have the resources to take care of and give everything they need, but you choose that one. I know there's plenty of you listening going, well, is a three-legged puppy cute? Of course it's cute. Otherwise... <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't be that hard of a choice. But yeah, Billy's a three-legged puppy, and it's hard to watch him throughout this series. Um, you know, because every time, especially the Claire shit, I'm like, you he is so much older than you, and he has so much shit. Do you know he wants to fuck his sister? Are you aware? <laughs> I know that you you had a that that you had um, not a great run with 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 the with the partners out here, but not don't do this don't do this. Um. Yeah, you know, six feet under. It's it's great. It's not about clear. <laughs> it's about Nate. It's definitely about Nate. Um. But it was a good it was a good thing for me to watch. Um. I will say I keep doing these rewatches of things that I can't watch around my kids, right? So I'm I'm like folding laundry, I'm in my room watching it, and then I have to. It's not the it's not the concepts. Um, I don't have a problem explaining what a fucking threesome is or explaining drugs. To... I don't have a I don't have a problem like explaining these things. What I don't want to do is see a pierced penis on the screen because I feel like that's just a little too much for us to be doing. <laughs> I, You know, a lot of times people are talking about stuff for kids. They're like, how will I explain? I'm like, well, I mean, it is your job to explain things to your children. <laughs> it really just is your job. Like, I uh, just because you don't want to talk to your kids doesn't mean the rest of us have to stop doing everything. However, for me, the line is, I don't want to watch sex scenes with my children or graphic sex scenes. It's not a problem for uh, the implication to be that people who are having sex. Like, I mean, eh, we can talk about whatever. But I just don't want to be sitting there. Like, I just remember... Going to, um, coming to America with my second grandma, Dorothy. My grandfather is in, it's about 84, I think, maybe 85, has been married to three women named Dorothy and they're all dead and somebody should investigate that. Just letting you know. Um, my mom has begged me to stop talking about this, but I'm like, I'm not going to cover up just because you can't face the truth. (laughs) But my second grandma, Dorothy, although we called her Franco, she took us to the movies She did not like children. She didn't like us, and she didn't like these. She didn't like her stepchildren, which were my mother and her sisters. And she was very angry because my older brother had been living with my grandfather. Um, He was his first grandson, and his his actual son had been in and out of prison since he was a teenager. And my brother represented a different thing, so uh, a new start. So my grandfather, even after my actual grandmother died, kept my brother. For I mean, I my older brother was maybe Jesus, maybe seven years old when he when he finally came to live with us for good. But she was very, my second grandmother. My step grandmother was very angry about that. She didn't want him there. She was like, "I'm too old to have these fucking kids. I don't know what you're doing with the kid, but let's get him a bus ticket to where he needs to go." <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Much like the shit with Ruth, I understand where you're coming from. I do not agree. <laughs> I don't think what you did was the thing to do, but she took me. She she took me to a movie. She took me to um, Coming to America, and I remember sitting next to her, and uh, some of the racier parts of the movie, and just being like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> I was not. I was not put on. By the way, this grandma was so fucking mean to me, and we got into a big fight because. I Know My Name is Steven was coming on, on TV. I'd seen this movie before, you know, this dark shit. It's a, it's about a boy who's kidnapped and, um, his kidnapper does all kinds of things to him and makes him kidnap other boys and stuff like that. And, and then he find he finally gets back to his, original his family and has to adjust and everything and it's a very dark movie But I'd seen it before because I was in a dark shit when I was a little kid I was I read my mother's inquirers and her wild um, pop junk uh, Novels and I watched TV movies with her and Oprah and Phil Donahue like I was in all of that and that My step-grandma was like, you can't watch it, it's too young for you. You need to go to bed, blah, 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 blah. Also, I noticed you've been staying up late at night reading and that's bad for young eyes and you need to go. I was like, listen, bitch, (laughs) I went out of here. (laughs) Anyway, off topic, off topic of off topic, but anyway. So I don't generally like, I need to find something I can binge next. I really am two and a half episodes from the end of this. And I'm really going slowly because, again, that last episode where they fast-forward to show you how everyone dies, I cry. I It always sticks up on me and I cry. But I need to find something to rewatch that maybe played on network TV so that, like, when the kids want to be around me, I don't have to be like, you got to leave before somebody's tits are on the screen. You got to go. We'll see. I am, I just started Shaws of Sunset. Um, it's the hero that we need. <laughs> Shaws has always been a good show. Last season wasn't so great. But last season, I believe it was like two years ago. But it, last season wasn't so great. But Shaws has always been a good organically built cast. Much like Family Karma gives me those vibes right now. I'm enjoying that as we speak. But, um, so Shaws has always been a good show for me. Had some raw seasons or whatever, but this season is, I'm starting off pretty good. The Mike with the text drama—why does people? Why do people believe Mike ever? Everything he said about that sounded wrong. He was like, "Oh, somebody hacked to my iCloud." Then somebody was sending me uh, spoof text messages. Then, um, then I didn't text back. I don't know how how uh, those nudes ended up there. Okay, it was me. Like guys, <laughs> Mike is. Mike is a lot. (laughs) Um, But like them reading Mike's text messages, doing a reading of them in the in the confessional. So fucking funny. So funny. You know, and Reza's, (laughs) the MJ and Reza stuff. All right, so apparently what happened is that maybe two seasons ago, one season ago, it was Reza's turn to get his life ruined. Everybody's life is ruined at different times, all right? But it was Reza's turn to get his life ruined. And a guy named Ali Shuri came on camera and said that Reza's boyfriend was, in, was sexually harassing him and offering to play Naked, naked Jenga with him. And Reza took great offense to that because he didn't want it to be his turn to go down. Because, you know, normally it's like, Mike is cheating on so-and-so. MJ's doing this. Gonesa is, is stabbing people. But Reza's not, he don't want to take his turn. So he gets very upset because he feels like this is being orchestrated by MJ, who is, by the way, giving birth, almost dying in the hospital while this is happening. Like, in literally in the hospital. But he believes that she set this in motion because all reality TV stars do this if it's not their first season is they off camera have conversations about what they're going to talk about, have back dealings about who, what you're going to bring to the screen, who you're going to like, who you film with, like bringing Ali Shuri to a dinner and letting him talk, say that, that Adam, <laughs> Adam is desperately trying to have sex with him while the, rest of the uh, is out of town is a choice. And they all do it. Name your favorite reality TV star that's not on a family show like Tardy for the Party. Name them. Huh? You named them, they do it. All of them do it. And so Reza got very angry, started posting like screenshots of, of text between him and Tommy, like telling all of Re- MJ's tea, uh, telling people that MJ has had like 35 abortions and that's where her uterus exploded. That's why she almost died. Um literally not his business to talk about. I'm sure MJ's had a few abortions. They have been they go back way fucking back. MJ and Reza are fucked. MJ and her mother were the first people that Reza told he was gay. Like it was like they are they go way fucking back. I'm sure MJ's had an abortion or maybe two, even three, and that Reza knows about them. It is still none of his business to talk about her personal medical history on TV, especially not as a reason that her uterus exploded, which it didn't. And this didn't have shit to do with abortions, but whatever. But he knew like abortion is like a coded thing for you're a slut and you're, you know what I'm saying? So he does that. And then Tommy, Tommy, who is often the comic relief of the show. I love listening to Tommy talk about whatever. Um, comes over to the house with a baseball bat to fuck up Reza and maybe Adam too. I don't know. (laughs) And instead goes, I'm not laughing about this. I'm laughing at the fact that every time they mention this, they show us Reza's ring cam footage of Tommy throwing around some planter pots on his (laughs) on his patio. And like kind of destroying the patio like that. And then (laughs) So Reza uh, files a police report against her for trespassing. And we can go either way on that. Listen, if you want to solve your problems by getting in the car with a baseball bat and coming to fuck up somebody when they call the police, and you get what you get and you don't get upset. Like, listen, if you you didn't want no trouble, should have stayed your ass at home. This is the reason I don't give people my address so you don't come over here and try to fuck me up. So, <laughs> so anyway, but at the same time, I did think Reza overreacted to it because Tommy had to go to jail over some plant planter pots. Just just have MJ Venmo you or Cash App you, the cost of like having someone clean this up and replacing this stuff and tell her, do not let Tommy come over here again because if he does, I am calling the police. I've already, like... I'm not doing this. That's what I would have done. But, you know, he called the police. Tommy had to do some jail time. And then later, they extended their, their restraining order against Tommy from three to five years. Fine. All fine. All fine. I'm like, is it great? No. But is, is, is it the worst thing in the world? No, either. Okay. Sometimes you get what you get and you don't get upset. But okay. But then, this season, Resident MJ have decided to make up because they want to show. That's why. Because if you guys aren't going to be in the same room, we're not going to have a show. So they decide they're going to make up and they're going to have a show. And Reza is so upset because he hasn't met Shams, which is the ba- MJ's baby. It's very adorable. He's named after her father who recently died. She almost died bringing Shams here. You know, he wants to meet Shams because you know she's been he's been in her life since forever, and he considers himself the best friend. But he's never going to meet Shams because. Tommy says, no, you're not going to beat my kid. Also, fair. Also, fair for someone to say, if you have a restraining order <laughs> against me, and also you're not a family member, and you know what I mean? Like, you're just her long term friend, and no, you're not going to hang out with my kid while well, you keep a restraining order against me and you got me and you ar- got me arrested and you did all you did all these crazy things that caused me to show up at your house with a baseball bat. I mean, I'm just talking the way Tommy thinks about it. I'm not, you know, obviously, we all have our own we need to take our own uh responsibility for our own actions. Reza is so gagged by this. Reza is just like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean?" <laughs> Anyway, it's 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 um i I wanted a few episodes to watch and I did watch them. I love how nobody remembers what Mike's girlfriend's name is. They keep calling her Jessica, which his name is name his ex wife, <laughs> the last person he cheated on. <laughs> I love I love how um, Destiny just comes up on screen with what are those in her mouth? <laughs> are those teeth? They are so they. They are so white and so thick. <sighs> Y'all need to stop. <laughs> Y'all need to fucking stop. And now the last episode I watched, um, MJ's mom was saying that Destiny doesn't have an ass. And then Reza made sure to go say it to Destiny. Um, MJ's mom's got a mouse and I'm like over it. I, everyone's over it. I don't think that just cause you're somebody's mom, you can't, you can't take one of these. You can't catch these hands. Okay. You're over here talking real reckless. You want to be treated like a mom. You need to stay in a mom's place. Mama Joyce, mama Joyce. You want to be treated like a mama. You need to stay in a mama's place, but um, you can't show up to these things and then be incredibly rude. And then we are just supposed to let you, but either way, what happened was away from destiny, and was contained within, I guess she told Reza, and then, like, MJ heard. And then Reza made sure to go tell Destiny that Destiny didn't have an ass. Now, Destiny don't have no ass, okay? She is flat back there, but I bet you next time we see her on TV, she's going to have a fucking BBL because Reza made a point to do this. Also, there's some lies about Reza saying that Gonesa was behind the 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 text i mean that mike shit is so complicated all i know is mike is lying that's all i fucking know but yeah i'm excited for shots of sunset um anything else i want to tell you oh i do want to tell you this so the pacific northwest is getting a heat wave in the next coming days here um as you listen to this it's going to be over 100 degrees in the area they just don't i guess central IC is not really a thing there um if you think about like much like here in Texas, like when we had our freeze, um, we're ju- we're just not used to that tor- sort of weather. A lot of people aren't, and then it's not just the people themselves. Like whether you have central AC or whether you have AC at all, people cranking up the AC, needing like using that, um, puts puts like uh, strain on the power grid. You get brown brownouts sometimes, which are. <sighs> Don't get me wrong. Don't don't get me started about that type of shit. But, like, it, people are going to need a. They need water. They need tips. They need... Like, it's going to be rough. People will die. I mean, 100 degrees will fucking kill you. I it, It's like 102 here some days. And, and I have central AC everywhere I fucking go. And I'm still like, damn, it's 102 degrees. Imagine if I didn't have fucking AC. I've only, like... In New York, I had window units, right? But in chicago when i moved into my apartment i didn't have window units and i got until about july without without ac which was very shocking to us because i'm someone like my ac is permanently on 72 degrees no wherever i'm at and so at 75 i'm like bitch it's hot so i don't even know how i got to july and we just got to the point where there was some ac units in the um Basement of our apartment, and we kept like knocking on doors, being like, "Are these your units? Can we buy them?" We asked the landlord. And the landlord was like, "That's not ours." And finally, we just fucking put them in our windows. <laughs> and so, all I have to say, I don't have any experience with this, but I do know that the people are gonna that are gonna like hurt the most from this are poor people, people who are unhoused, people who don't have resources to stay cool and weather this out. And so normally I make a donation with our Patreon dollars on the month, like when, after I get the money, right? And I get the money at the beginning of every month, but I want to go ahead and donate some money to, um, to like help. And this would be a really good time not to, not to like, delete your patreon thing because i already paid the money (laughs) no i'm just kidding but i just think like it's necessary now so let's do it now so where do we donate we donated to let me make sure i got the the stuff right meals on us pdx and they already it's volunteer run donation support they already provide healthy meals period already but they are they they are partnering with Love Block, which I don't know much about, but they're teaming up with them to provide cold water, Gatorade, you need electro, uh, electrolytes when you're going through shit like this, sunscreen, and just trying to help people who need it the most. So we donate some money there. If you have any extra dollars, they're a great place to donate that they're going to be on boots on the ground doing this stuff like distributing things while people need them. So if you have any money there, if extra money, that would be a great place to go. They're on Instagram at mealsonus.pdx. And yeah, um, I just want to say thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast and everybody who is a Patreon member because because you listen, because you don't donate money every month, I am able to like... Pass on our good fortune to somebody else. And if you guys are in the Pacific Northwest and you're going through all this shit, I feel you. I'm sorry. I hope you stay cool. Um, I've been retweeting um, some of my friends who live there who are, who, um, Thursday Bram is one of them. She's put together a bunch of resources, cooling centers, um, tips on how to stay cool in your own house, w- ways to prepare. And so if you follow me at OK Then Princess, you can see some of those things or you can find Thursday Bram herself. Um, yeah, I just like, I just, I hope you guys get through this. <laughs> I know it's tough. Um, guys, let's talk about mob wives um, an hour into this bitch. So this week we're doing Mobwise Season Two, Episode Three. It's called Makeups and Breakups. It's right after that that fight. Remember the fight with Karen and Ramona and Drita? And Drita got her eye swollen up. So Drita and Big Ange are meeting for lunch. Apparently, they have known each other since Drita was sixteen and Drita was sneaking into bars into Big Ange's bar. Um, and they haven't seen each other since the fight, but Drita's eye looks a lot better. So I'm assuming it's a couple of weeks. She confronts Big Ange about how Big Ange had said that Karen wanted to come out and like have a good conversation. And then Karen comes out ready to rock. And Big Ange thinks that everyone's acting pretty childish over nothing. They start talking about Carla and Renee and how they have to make up. And Drita says something like, it's kind of scary when you put two people together that don't get along. Drita, 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 is it this just what happened to you? And then you got a swole up eye for it, did Isn't this what happened? People keep, people invited you and Karen to the same place even though you guys aren't getting along and then kind of pressured you to, isn't this what just happened? Why would you do this to Renee and Carla? Why? You, your ass walking around here looking like fucking Popeye now because, <laughs> because people got in your business and tried to make y'all make up before time. You already fucking forgot. So then Ramona and Renee meet up at Renee's house so that Ramona can apologize for ruining the party. She says, she still thinks it's Drita's fault. She said Drita couldn't work out the situation with her mouth and had to act like a farm animal. I'm like, okay, Ramona, I think you hold, I, I, I swear to God that if Ramona wasn't there, it probably wouldn't have gotten this bad. And I just feel like, I don't know. I don't like Ramona. <laughs> they tell Renee that Drita couldn't take she tells Renee that Trudy can take the fact that Karen had to be there because they've been friends forever, and Ramona had to be there because they've been friends. They go way, way back. Renee says that that she and Ramona are family because Ramona's grandfather and Renee's father were very close. She says that Renee is like sister or cousin. I will. I'm gonna say this: these people call anybody a family member, like literally anybody. Just because you and my daddy, commit, your daddy, your granddaddy and my daddy committed murders together does not make us a family. It just doesn't. And it's obvious throughout the rest of the season that that that's just lip service. Like if I, you know, I don't have like a ton of people I went to elementary school that I'm still friends with. I moved a lot when I was younger. Um, My family was my family. And, but the people that I have long-term relationships with that I've been friends with 20, 25 years, I consider very close friends. And when I say that they are like my family, I actually mean that. Now, I'll cut off anybody, <laughs> to be honest. But what, I, what I'm trying to say, though, is that, like, this show sometimes bothers me because they will randomly just, like, bring a person and be like, this person's like my family. And I'm like, I don't even think you like that person. I don't think you really have a strong bond with that person. I think, are you saying that... You've known this person since you were younger, but what is your relationship? Chosen family is, like, I don't do play cousins and places. I don't do that type of stuff uh, because I think words mean things. I don't mind when other people do it, but these people annoy me because when you have a chosen family, when you say that somebody, this person is so close to me, I consider them a sister, then act like it. Like. You, I, I wouldn't say that about somebody that I hung out with for five years and haven't seen in 27 years. I wouldn't do that because I don't know. I just, I think words mean things. And when you say stuff, it means something, <laughs> but okay, fine. Fine. Renee Ramona's your sister. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, so Renee says she doesn't like girls who fight and act like tough guys. Ramona says that Renee always acts like a fucking tough guy. Always. Well, she acts like a tough guy, but what she really means is she's going to get Junior to beat you up. <laughs> so Ramona says that if Drita wants to fight, they can, but she needs to go pick out a gravestone right now because that's where it's going. I don't know, Ramona. I feel like you had the opportunity to fight and all that happened is that you screamed and got a bloody mouth. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like you're a fighter, just to be honest. Uh, Ramona says she lives all over the world and people are not like this off of Staten Island. She calls it Septic Island. She also says that R- Renee's beef with Carla is Drita's fault because Drita must be must be the one feeding Carla information to act like this. I was like, all right, that's a lot. So then we see Drita and Carla meet up. She urges Carla to make up with Renee. Carla says that they are, she's tired of hanging out with girls. Fuck these girls. Where are the guys? These girls are getting on her nerves. I'm not really paying attention. They're in outdoor. They're like, they're like at some bar and they're drinking chocolate martinis and, Co- and Cosmos and eating chocolate covered strawberries and I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck they are because I want all of that. I would like to have that. Um, and so next we see Renee is writing a letter to Carla. She says she knows she's good at putting her words on paper because she writes letters to all of her friends in jail. I believe it's this season or maybe next season that Renee starts tries to start a company that will write letters to people in jail for you because she has so much practice. I believe, (laughs) but this is what I mean by breadcrumbs, right? They're gonna tell us this now, and then later they're gonna tell us about the (laughs) about the business. They're not just gonna show up one day with Renee talking about I'm 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 creating I'm starting a letter writing business. (laughs) And then we got We all got to go. When was you writing letters? <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> the writers are six feet under. Can you please take note? Can you please? <laughs> um. Then her friend Nicole with the K calls, and Renee tells her all about. It. Nicole's like, "Nah, bitch, don't do it." She says that Carla was disrespectful to Renee, and that it's not like Renee fucked her boyfriend or something. Renee says that being a bigger person is harder than she thought. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this whole scene when i have been thinking, what is Renee really mad about? Th- I've referenced this before. Um, when you watch Little Women, L.A., with Tara and all the girls, a lot of times they are in fights that seem like about nothing. Lit- I need to recap Little Women. I talk, I talk about it entirely too much. Somebody asked me once why Fresh Alina follows me on Twitter. Fresh Alina is so fucking funny. I'm so happy she's back on the internet. Why she follows me on Twitter. The reason she follows me on Twitter is because I used to be up in her mentions 24 fucking sevens. (laughs) Because she used to talk about Little Women Atlanta all the fucking time. I'd be up in her mentions 24 fucking seven talking about Little Women Atlanta. All fucking year long, <laughs> even when it wasn't on the air, I'd, be, I'd still be talking about Little Women Atlanta, And so like, I mean, I really need to talk about, I need, I need to figure out a way to like do that series. But um, I've talked about how Tara was, um, she brought the show, she pitched the show, she's an executive producer, she, um, and oftentimes they'll be arguing over the littlest thing that doesn't make any fucking sense. And then I'll go what is really the thing? What is the real problem? And then we find out later it was, it was some fourth wall shit. It was that Tara got a executive producer credit on the show, even though she and Tanya are the one that came up with the show. And Tanya knows all the people and put the show together just as easily as Tara did. But Tara's the one that went to the meetings and Tara's is the one that's like super ambitious and did all the stuff. And so now Tara is the queen of little women and Tanya is just a castmate. Um, it's shit like that. And I bet you there's some behind the scene production shit going on with why Renee is really mad at Carla. Um, which is also why Carla's like, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. Because what's been said to her is that she, that Renee is mad about A, but Carla's like, why the fuck would you be mad about A? The problem is Carla, Renee's really mad about Z. And, but Carla doesn't know that because Renee keeps going, it's A, it's A, it's A, it's A. And Carlos' like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, Big Ann is having a friend over that I don't care about. <laughs> she says she likes the wise guys because they bought her nice houses and furs and cars and they're good looking too. She says, I've dated plenty of wise guys. Well, oh, Hold on. I've dated plenty of wise guys. That's not what Big Ange sounds like. <laughs> Big Anch sounds like Batman, but like more feminine. (laughs) I can't do it right now. I'm going to hurt my throat. I've dated plenty of wise guys. I'm looking forward to meeting another one. I don't, they're talking about, I don't give a fuck what they're talking about. They're eating these sausages. They look like little Italian sausages and pasta and bread. I'm like, I want that. I might be hungry, guys. Um, Big Ange tells us that they that she has had implants done because they're talking about plastic surgery. She's had implants done three times, a tummy tuck, um, lips injected. And she says it's not enough and she wants a facelift. Listen, Big Ange, it's enough. Okay. I I know Big Ange looks like she was put together at the Jim Hansen <laughs> factory. <laughs> she and Dr. Now look like Muppets, okay? I understand that. I actually don't really have a problem with it. I love that this wild looking woman is talking to me and that, in that, like, just uh, un- otherworldly voice. And that, I like, I love that. I love, that. she's like, the wise guys, whatever. <laughs> I'm not doing it right. The, the wise guys look, I love that about Big Ange, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and try to judge her on these beauty standards she's trying to uphold or the fact that her body looks strange because of these big-ass tits that she's got on her. And she definitely comes from early 2000s like beauty standards because she's got these big-ass tits and not a hip inside. <laughs> a flat-ass. Like, fine, 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 fine. But it's enough. What you've been doing is enough. I'm not going to call her all the names she used to be called on the internet. Um, But we don't need to do anymore. And her friend is telling her to go to Ukraine to get it, And she's saying, well, we might not ever get out if we go to Ukraine. Um, So next we see Drita meeting with a real estate agent because she's going to divorce Lee and she needs to sell the house. She says she loves her home but has Lee written all over it. She also thinks that the house is what made Lee rob banks and keep going back to jail and trying to keep up with this lifestyle. Now I'm saying it, lifestyle. I'll say this. I think Drita needs to sell that house. I wonder how Drita keeps up the mortgage on that house. I'm sure that mortgage is... Well, I'm sure that mortgage is two is anywhere from twenty five dollars to $3,000 a month, maybe more. I would not be surprised if we got close to four, and... She also has to pay taxes like, you know, they put your your mortgage company puts your uh, pays your taxes every year and then you have to pay it through your escrow account. So a lot of times your taxes are added onto your mortgage and then also your insurance is added onto your mortgage. And I mean, there are people who don't do it that way because their mortgage doesn't make them. But the reason mortgage companies make you do that is because they own more of the house than you do most of the time. I mean, as you get near the end of your loan period, they don't. But if you, they have a vested interest in making sure the house doesn't get taken taken for taxes. So if it gets taken for taxes, like, I mean, yeah, so they pay the taxes on it, and then, they, and then they charge it back to you through your, and you usually pay it all through the mortgage. I mean, you you have an option to, like, put more money on escrow, put more, you know, you have an option to pay. But it's like, I So I would not be surprised if if that house is like, I won't be surprised if that nut for that house payment is like four grand a month or maybe a little bit more. And I wonder how she does that on a Macy's makeup girl salary. And she's also got a car and two kids and all that shit. Um... And keep in mind, this is the second season of the show. It's not like, it's not like she's, uh, it's not like she's she's bringing in big fucking bucks. I mean, she's probably getting she might be paying a thousand dollars an episode, maybe. So, she shows the real estate agent the place, and it definitely looks like the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> and I want to go to the Cheesecake Factory. So. <laughs> She shows the agent the guest bedroom slash Lee's room and tells us that she doesn't like to open the door there because Lee doesn't like it. She hasn't opened that door in years. First of all, Lee don't live here. Lee lives at the penitentiary. So so fuck what Lee wants. And I would definitely open that fucking door. um, One, because fuck what Lee wants. Especially if you find out he cheated on you. Fuck what Lee wants. And two, I definitely have a fear that if I... Like, we used to have... Before we had kids, we had, like, a guest room in our house that sometimes my husband would do stuff in and the door would be closed. Every time I walked past that door, I always opened it. And it was because I was like, if somebody was going to, like, get in the house and, like, hide themselves in the house that'd be the best place to do it because nobody really goes in there so i leave the door open so i can peek in there every time i walk past i don't care if i walk past 50 times a night i look in there every time to make sure nobody's in there and then once a day i go in the closet and make sure nobody's in there then maybe i look underneath the bed make sure nobody's underneath there i'm just trying to keep all my bases open i you guys are like princess that'll never happen it'll never happen until it fucking happens and when it happens i'll be prepared If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Okay, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) So, no, that door will never be open. I don't know what the fuck's in there. I don't know if somebody broke in through the window and is building a nest in there or something. I guess a human nest. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Um, uh, Drita says her family raised her to believe divorce is not a real option. Um, But she can't work out anything with a person who's not there. And I don't fucking blame her. I don't understand why it took her. I guess you just I guess finding out Lee had cheated on her years ago was the last fucking straw. You know? That like here I am holding it down. I've got I'm a single mother. I've got this house. I don't think she can afford. I I'm sending you boxes of fucking meat and sexy pictures and shit. And you've I'm finding out you were you weren't even loyal to me. <sighs> So, Karen and Ramona go out to some club. Ramona tells us that she doesn't want to be with someone in the lifestyle. Lifestyle. So, she married an Arabic person. That's how she's an Arabic person. She lived in the Middle East for a long time. She rubbed elbows with royalty. She lived in Dubai and Jordan. She got to travel a lot all the time. Years later, her her husband went into business with the mom, and that's why she left. And now, she's in love with a new guy who she calls Quicksand Man because she fell into him so quickly. All right, that's what she says on the show. I looked up Ramona. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna start with her Instagram. She is very different. She looks very different. She's very Instagrammy now, of course. Um, she's doing SpawnCon. She's verified. She's doing SpawnCon. She's got a free Palestine post up. Um, she, she and Karen are very close. Still very close. They're close enough to be posting video from Costco together. And it seems like Karen, Carla, and Ramona have a podcast together. So. I read, I also, so I looked at her Instagram to see how she's doing now. And then I looked up some stuff about her. And the one thing that really stuck out is that her ex-husband's name is Wally, I'm gonna butcher this, Katib. it's K-H-A-T-I-B. And that he was already mom connected when they got together. That's how they met. And that she is that she went to go live in the Middle East with him for many years, but he went bankrupt. And that's why she left him. The money was drying up. And she came back to the United States with no money at all. Then I see here that she is linked to a kidnap and robbery. Um, Apparently, she ordered some arms subs thugs to abduct a man off of chelsea street this is from the new york post so she could shake him down for cash and jewelry the alleged victim told the cops i'll kill you and i'll kill your family ramona allegedly told shanta gibson when he was stuffed into her chevy traverse outside the hot spot chelsea manor on saturday according to law enforcement so um they talk about how she's the Granddaughter of Bonanno soldier lefty guns Ruggerio and fiance of jailed Gambino drug runner Joseph. Guys, I'm not gonna be able to, I'm not gonna be able to say this word. It's S-C-L-A-F-A-N-I. That L is throwing me off. Um They said she was in the driver's seat. They pulled him off the street. These guys, these armed thugs, pulled him off the street while she was in the car. She started yelling and cursing at him, saying she wanted her money. And what What was going on is that she had given him $10,000 to buy up hotel rooms for the NBA All-Star Game. And then planning to, like, flip those rooms for big prices once people were in town. And, like, you know, for a big prof- profit. Because, you know, people... You know, I, I want to go to the all, All-Stars and then I don't have a room. And then she's already like bought up a bunch of rooms. He never got the rooms and he never returned the cash. And so that's why she apparently got some people, some goons to pick him up. They punched him in the face. They stole, he had $1,600. They stole that. They stole his Rolex watch. Um, she screamed at him to call DJ Will, the stage name of a Bronx DJ, who was working at the club that night to bring that money um dj will shows up he didn't have nearly he didn't have ten thousand dollars and like ramona allegedly threatened him again and then let him out of the car um and they leave (laughs) so they're investigating the thing is that she's also (laughs) she's also um posting on twitter When you, during, right after this happened, when you steal or rob from anyone, make sure you're about that life. If not, get a real job. (sighs) And then she put up, if you scam and rob girls, don't think that the streets will treat you like one. Chop, chop, that was just the tame beast that adjusted your skirt. Recoup time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So that happened. She was she was linked to that. They were she was investigated for that. Then I have another from the New York Daily News that I wanted to look at. So you know what? I'm gonna talk about this later when we talk about because Verona gets arrested. We're gonna will talk about it. So the next time thing we see is Drita and her daughter Aliyah <laughs> having a convo about whether she's talking to her father. How old is Aaliyah? Twelve? Eleven? If Aaliyah's talk talked to her father. You know about it, right? I mean, I think she's, I think she's about the age you start staying home alone by yourself. I mean, not me. I've been staying home alone since the fucking first since since like my third day of school. I've been staying home alone. But um, eleven, twelve is like a good time to be, uh, you know. It's a good time to start leaving kids alone. Like, that's, I think that'd be fine to get home at 3 o'clock and your mom gets home at like 6 or maybe you're just hanging out at the house and your mom has to run a Target. You just, like, I think that's a good time. But I I just don't believe that if Aaliyah was talking to Lee that Drita doesn't know about, doesn't know about it. Sorry, I have hiccups. Um, so she's telling Leah that if she wants to go to dance camp, she has to tell Lee. I'm like... Why? You guys, I grew up, my father was in prison. He's been in prison since about six months old and he's still there. And my biological father. When I talk about my dad, I'm talking about my stepdad because he's the person that raised me and did all the dad stuff. He made all the dad, like, the Girl Scout father-daughter baking contest and picked me up from debate camp and shit. My dad did that. Um, so, but, like, and I understand that Aaliyah's in a different position because my biological father has never parented me a day in his fucking life. When I call him one of my parents, I am being generous because i, I that's DNA I'm talking about. He's never had to parent me. And I know Aaliyah's different. Aaliyah's father was there for her at certain points. Um, I've never seen my father outside of a prison uniform, ever. So... But also, I'm trying to understand why Lee, why she has to tell Lee. Lee's not going to pay for it. Lee's in prison. Lee's not going to take her. Lee's in prison. Lee, <laughs> she, she doesn't need to ask permission from Lee. Lee's in prison. I, I just, you know, the way Drita talks about Lee and they talk about these dudes, I'm like, wh- why does he have so much power? Because I know, I know that it's a different family dynamic. I just find it very strange. But the other thing that she told Aaliyah is that she also has to tell, let him know that that Drita's fixed thinking about fixing up the yard because she might sell the house. I'm like, oh, so Aaliyah's supposed to tell this convicted felon that you're selling the house? What is she, your divorce mediator? Don't make her do that. Because he's going to be mad or he's going to at least have something to say about it. And he's going to say it to Aaliyah. And then what? Aaliyah has to come back and tell you, Daddy said don't sell the house. You didn't ask him, you dumb fuck. Because that's the way Leah Lee talks to Drita. Okay, he talks to her real wild. So what? Is that what Aaliyah's supposed to, get out of here, Drita. It's stupid. And I think this is the first time Aaliyah's heard this or Lee, or either, it, she's only heard it recently because it says, because Aaliyah really turns to her and asks why and Drita tells her her house is too big. She says financially, it, it, it's better for her. I pro- agree, it's probably financially better for you to sell that fucking house. And Drita says that Aaliyah has too much to handle at her young age. And I'm like, yeah, which is why she doesn't need to be telling some felon about how his wife is going to sell his house, Drita. Stop. She's got too much to fucking worry about. Her father being in prison is the tip of the fucking iceberg. She's, she's probably, and 11, 12 is like not great in terms of like the kids around you and the shit you have to do. 13 is the worst age on <laughs> her. She's heading into that. Like, I'm sure she's got a lot of fucking pressure out here. She doesn't need to be the go-between so you guys can fucking have an argument. So then Drita starts telling Aaliyah that getting a smaller place would still be nice and that having a smaller place is not a big deal. Good, I I feel like she's explained that it's just you, me, and Giselle and like we'll we'll still get a nice smaller place and it'll be easier to manage and keep up with. Um, Then she tells Aaliyah that she grew up in public housing, which is a fancy way of saying the projects. It's a more European way of saying the projects. And she tells Aaliyah that she didn't care that she was in the projects. She was happy. It was fine. Living in that small apartment in the projects, no big deal. Trina. Uh, Aaliyah, you were just talking about Aaliyah going to dance camp. She goes to dance camp. She lives in a big house in the burbs. Did you go to dance camp, Trina? I bet you didn't. I bet you didn't even form your mouth to ask your parents to spend hundreds of dollars so that you could dance during the summer. I bet you, I bet you hung out at home and either alone or if your mother wasn't working, she was there. But for the most part, you were on your own, maybe play with kids outside. I, I bet like this, it never even occurred to you to be like, Ma, can you spend $400 for me to go to dance camp? I bet it never fucking occurred to you. Why? Because you have a very different life than Aaliyah does. Drita, like you're raising your kids and to have more than you ever had, which is good. I think most parents want that for them. They want their kids to be raised in a nice manner. And whether in, whether that is monetary or financial or whether it's um, emotionally, right? We all want better for our kids. I don't leave. My kids don't stay home by themselves. And I just, there are times when, I, there are times I just be in the house my mom would just leave. She just fucking leave, and we would be like, "Where the fuck she go?" She tell you? She tell you? No, she didn't tell you. We, she, she, you think she coming back? No, we don't fucking know. <laughs> I raise my kids differently than that because I I remember what it's like to feel like nobody cared what you thought or what you wanted or or you weren't sure what was gonna happen or your parents cried broke to you or were broke all the time that you were like afraid to ask for things. You were like. That's not possible, you know. And I want my kids to have better than that. I, I they go they go to camp. They live in the suburbs. <laughs> they live in a nice house in the fucking suburbs with a mother who who picks them up from places and, and gives everybody a turn to say what, how their day went and. Gets them snacks and takes them to Texas Roadhouse. They they live a better life than I had. And I and I do that on purpose. My husband gets very upset with me. He 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 thinks our kids are too soft. He wants to I guess he wants them to sell drugs or some shit. But I'm not gonna teach them how to sell crack, man. <laughs> I, want, I think, especially kids of color, especially black and brown black and brown kids don't get to be young for that long, right? Uh, people people tend to assume, especially black girls are older than than they are, and black boys are adults when they're like fucking twelve years old, and so I want my kids to enjoy childhood while they have it. We, you got all the fucking time in the world to be an adult. You got all the fucking time in the world to play to pay bills and deal with dusty ass fucking relationships and have places you gotta go and do things. I rather they have some time now. I'm fine with it. I don't. I'm the things my husband had to do to survive when he was twelve years old was because. He had to. And his kids don't have that life. And uh, they also know that I don't just roll out this house at all times. And just hope and a prayer she's going to come back. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Trita, what, what What the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> so Big Ed just has everyone to drink at some outdoor place. And they're all on these white couches on the sand. So take from that what you will. There's a bridge in the background. I don't know what bridge that is. I didn't go to Staten Island. I don't know. I I don't I don't do that. So I, there's no reason for me to be on Staten Island. So I never went there. Uh, Renee gets there and just starts with, "I'm a little tired of the bullshit." <laughs> I was like, "Damn, girl!" You, and Drea and I both felt the same way. We were like, "You are we going to have a drink?" I'm like, "What are we doing here?" And um, she she says that she does. She wants to know why. Carla didn't come to see her when she was in the hospital. And Carla says, because I didn't know you were that sick. Which is what she's always said. Renee points out that Drita knew and Jerita confirms that she didn't tell Carla about it until later. Because she was told not to tell people. Remember when she told us that? Okay. So Renee wants to know why Carla didn't reach out when she got home. And Renee says that by that time she had heard Renee was talking cash money shit about her around town and didn't want to. These are all reasonable, right? This is a very straightforward conversation. Again, this is why I'm like, you got Renee must be mad about something else because this is too reasonable. She's, those are reasonable answers and you should be able to take them. Renee admits that when she was in the hospital, she wrote a little hit list of people who didn't send her a card or a gift. And by the time she got out, she was making it known. I'd be exhausted being friends with Renee. Renee seems very tit for tat. She has a lot, and I, it's not just standards, right? Cause if I had standards for friendship, which I, I do, but if if I don't think you're being a good friend to me, I don't, I don't fuck with you no more, that's it. But she seems like the type that if you don't do the right thing, you don't you don't come to this party, you don't make sure you call her at this time, that then there's beef and now we gotta fight and shit. And I'm like, what, what do you want Renee? What do you want? She just told you. No one told her. I don't believe that. But no one told her. And then by the time you got home and she found out about it, you'd been talking so much shit about her. She didn't want to go over there. This all makes sense. They're, they're, like there's nowhere to go from this. It's, it's done. But but they continue to argue, and Renee is saying that if Carla was in the hospital, she'd be up there to give blood and help out, and Carla says she didn't know. And Renee says, why would you hurt me? And Carla says she didn't know. And Renee says, we've been friends for so long. And Carla says she didn't know. (laughs) Again, there's nowhere to go from this. In the end, they squash it, and Renee pulls out that fucking letter and says she's not going to give it to Carla right now. Then why don't you pull it out? So then we see Renee going to try on dresses with her friend who's probably, who is a celebrity stylist. Renee used to be one too. Renee is very Heather Holla Thompson, okay? You know how anytime something happens, Heather Holla Thompson will be like, Holla, used to work for Diddy, you know, (laughs) from Real Housewives of New York. There's some of you that are going, who the fuck are you talking about, princess? But uh, Renee, when Renee gets on her shit, she always talks about how she used to style for Jim Jones and various New York rappers all of which names I don't really know. But at, while she's shopping with her friend Tiffany, she puts on a, bl- a dress and she looks good in it, but the dress looks cheap. The hem looks, maybe I'm maybe the resolution wasn't great. I did buy this in, in standard definition, not high, defini- high definition, but it looks like the hem was unfinished. It looked like she got that shit off of AliExpress or something. Um, and she says she still doesn't have an ass, but that's okay, she's alive. I'm like, true, true. Not everybody's meant to have an ass. Not everybody has to have an ass. And I'd rather be alive than have an ass. So the two of them talk about Junior. And her friend Tiffany is like, are you sure? Because she's like, Junior says he's in love with me again. And Tiffany goes, you sure it was Junior? <laughs> she is not a fan. Renee mentions that uh, that like Junior's going to do a bid in three months. And, she, and he knows that she's going to stay with him during the bid. And me and Tiffany both go like, yeah, of course, of course. And Renee says that if it works for her while she's gone, she's okay with doing. While he's gone, she's okay with doing that. What she's saying is that if she feels loved and happy in this relationship while he's in prison, she's fine being with him while he's in prison. Of course, you are, Renee. You just told us last week that you ain't been with nobody for fucking uh what is it, twelve years? You guys have been apart. That you know you haven't loved anybody. Of course, you're okay with it. Cause who else he gonna call? He can only call people on his list. <laughs> he can only call if you put money on the books. You always know where he at. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. That'll work out really well for you. Um. Tiffany says that she's worried about it not working when he, she's not worried about it, it working while he's in prison. She's working about, she's worried about it working while they're together. And she's she says that Renee has things to change too. It's not just Junior. Um, you know, Tiffany's the black girlfriend we all need, and she's asking all the right questions and saying all the right things. Um, Drita's going so that's the end of that. And then the next thing, Drita's going to get her her diamond appraised as a part of her divorce tour. She wants to know what to sell, what to get remade, and what to pass down to her daughters. Uh, selling jewelry is hard. It's never it's like real estate, like we can have it appraised for a certain amount, right? But it's really worth what people fucking pay for it, and if you're selling it to a place like a, a jeweler, a store, they, they need to make a profit of it, so they're gonna they they're not gonna pay you what a consumer would pay for it because why would they? How are they gonna make money off of it? Um, it's just hard and it's very subjective, and for the most part, I think that if you have like nice pieces of jewelry, you're just always better off keeping it if you possibly can. Um, but what do I fucking know about it? Um, like, like you can have a house that's worth $2 million in theory, but then you got to find someone who's going to pay $2 million for it. And a lot of times people don't want to do that. So, so it doesn't matter what it's appraised. At, it really doesn't. And jewelry's a lot like that. Um, she also says that Lee didn't ask her to marry him. She he just handed her the ring and then said does it fit? She must have really wanted to get married, Trita, cuz <laughs> And also, I feel I'm feeling less and less sorry for your ass, because it seems like Lee's always been like this, always. Um So the jeweler tells her that the stone in her ring is worth like a little under 100,000. Um that it's very clear, it's very Good stone, it's three carats, yada, yada, yada. And Drita's very shocked. She said she's been tossing around the house and shit and didn't even know where it was sometimes. She had no idea how much it cost, which I find interesting. Well, I do believe her. I believe her it's possible, but I find it interesting because if someone had given me like a big piece of jewelry, I would have it insured so I'd know how much it was worth already. So I I just... I feel like Drita... And it wouldn't surprise me if Drita already knew about around how much it was, it was worth. It also wouldn't surprise me if Jorita, if the the lady that's in the scenes with her is being more optimistic for reality TV, you know what I mean? Like, $100,000 is a lot of money. <laughs> uh, and if it was worth $25,000, that's a lot of money to me. So I'm, I'm sure she has nice jewelry, but I, you know, it's quite possible that this is like very produced. So, um, Renee and Junior go out to eat. They're reminiscing. She says they met, they met first and then he went to prison at 18 and they're, I, I'm assuming they're about the same age. So they, they met as teenagers. He went to prison at 18. He didn't get out till he was 22. Um, they were married two years later. So they were very young. They were like 24. I mean, he'd already been four years in fucking prison. Um, they were like 24-ish when they got married. I'm sure she's like a couple of years younger than him. He says that when he talked to her father about marrying her, he dumped a bunch of engagement rings on the table and was like, Which one do you want? And he's like, just based on one conversation. <laughs> I I I think he thinks that's a cute story. It sounds like he was like Renee's daddy was trying to get rid of Renee. <laughs> I mean, you you say you want to marry my daughter, and you don't even have a ring, so I provide you. It sounds like he was like, yeah, take her. Take her. You know what? Use this ring right here. Go and, go, go and get her. She's in her room. <laughs> Renee. Renee, come on. Renee. Junior wants to ask you something. Bring your suitcase, baby. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so Renee says their marriage was rocky from the beginning. She he says she wanted to control him and that's where the issues come from renee says it wasn't the control he was cheating on her before they even got married and kept blaming her being like you i had to cheat i had to sleep with that woman because if you did this and that which is classic fucking cheating person it's always the other person's fault but you don't want swinging your dick out here like it's fucking free in the streets um he says she didn't let she didn't let him do what he wanted to do and she said it's because you want to have sex with other women (laughs) um they get to the point where they're arguing and she's like don't you dare roll your eyes the truth is i I believe the truth is probably somewhere in the middle i I believe Junior's like a serial cheater he cheated on her all the time probably she probably embarrassed her a lot too probably cheated on other people like that were her friends or like people that she didn't spend time with uh cheating is one thing but then also cheating with somebody that i have to like be around like a coworker of mine or something like that. I bet, I bet he really did it up with her a lot, a lot. Um But I also believe that Renee is controlling. I believe that Renee is um someone who, who expects things a certain way and wants it that way. Now, listen, am I someone who expects things a certain way? Yes, I am. <laughs> But one of the growing pains I've gone through over the years of being married and also once the kids came into the picture is that I share my space with lots of people and I can't always have things the way I want it. And there's sometimes there's a trade off. Sometimes you have to be like, I like this, but I could probably only get that. And if I get that, then I got to do this. And what do I want to do? Like, um, I just like I think it would be hard to be in a friendship with Renee. I absolutely think it would be hard to be in a relationship with, with Renee. I think just like she's like Carla didn't do X, Y, and Z, and so therefore Carla is dead to me. I feel like also she's she's one of those people that it's Valentine's Day morning, and she's expecting a certain thing to happen. If it doesn't happen right now, then you don't love her. You never loved her. You're treating her like a piece of shit. And da da da. And so and so got this, and so like. I feel like I feel like she can be difficult. And I'm not saying that because she's being difficult, then it's okay for him to cheat. I'm not saying that at all. I don't think, but I also think that the fact that he's cheating all the time takes away from the fact that Renee also has things to work on, just like her black friend Tiffany said. And um, let's say... Junior wasn't, didn't cheat on her all the time. We could address those things, but because he's doing something bigger and more obviously wrong, we can't do it. Um, Like, just imagine Renee screaming and crying the night before her birthday because she doesn't think you planned something for her birthday. And, like, you can't even go to sleep because she's, like, walking around the house slamming things. And, and I, I just... She just seems... Like a lot. So Junior says, "I don't know how this was edited. It feels like it felt like a hard cut here." Junior says he did the most standards She did some, but he did the most. And then Renee starts crying because she said this is the most he's ever admitted to in twenty-two years. She said she'd been waiting twenty-two years for him to say that. What? <laughs> He said some vague ass shit to you. <laughs> this is vague as fuck. What are you talking about? Maybe it was edited out. He said he didn't know he was hurting her and he just didn't know what he was doing, and in the end they're back to having a romantic dinner. Again, I wanna remind you that it seems obvious, as we get to later, that Junior has rekindled his romance with Renee so that he can get close close back in with her father, get information to turn state's evidence so that he can then get a lighter plea deal. Like it feel, it, based on the timeline, it seems like while they're having this dinner, he is already in motion to do those things. And so that vague, I did a lot, I did the most damage, you did some damage too. That vague is all he can muster to get her to give her so that she so that he can stay in her life. <laughs> so in the next scene, Karen gets a phone call from Ramona. It turns out Ramona just got out of jail. I find it hard to believe Ramona Karen didn't know Ramona went to jail. I feel like as someone who's lived a life where many people in my life would get arrested, I feel like when people get arrested, you kinda know. Right? Especially if you live in the neighborhood and people, people be like Pookie just got arrested. Yeah, I saw him. He was getting <laughs> and then I, and somebody called you like, girl, you know you've been arrested. You know, you know, someone's been arrested. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, Karen knew. Also, why are the cameras there? So we break the fourth wall. The cameras are there to record you getting the phone call from R- Ramona, so Ramona could tell you that she got arrested. So we already knew. We already fucking knew. So I want to go back to that thing I wanted to read you guys about this, that man who's, <laughs> whose name I can't pronounce her is quicksand man is mobbed up. They were engaged or they might be engaged. They might get engaged after she get arrested, but he's her fiance and he's a drug runner for uh, the mob. And she, when they, when they, uh, served, all right. So they got arrested in the street. They got arrested driving. Like someone knew they would be going someplace at a certain time. An undercover cop, an unmarked car arrested them. She's handcuffed on the fucking bridge on the side of the fucking highway. And she's saying he's a Gambino family soldier Joseph oh, I will never say this name correctly so after he was arrested they then search her house, the house and they're they're moving in together and all of her jewelry is seized during the search because when they do stuff like when 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 you're getting like drug charges they will take all Every, you have you, you guys have seen the Sopranos, right? Where you have to provide receipts in and ways that you got these things, and they will take it and claim it was a a product of like a gain from a criminal enterprise. So all of her jewelry was in there. She she says it was a Rolex a Rolex watch, two 18 karat gold Cartier Love bracelets, three 18 karat gold White, 18 karat white gold flower bracelets with diamonds, five sets of diamond earrings, stainless steel cufflinks, and a white gold evil eye bracelet and a gold chain with a St. Christopher medal. That gold chain with the St. Christopher medal came from her grandfather. And... Ramona got arrested with him, but as we get... I, I can't remember whether Ramona has to go through the case. I think the charges are dropped against her pretty fucking early. um, But... She is having a hard time getting this jewelry back because it was found in his house and she was moving in there. And they're saying that these belong to him and that they're, you know, they were they received them from like uh criminal enterprises. So this kicks off Ramona's storyline for the rest of the fucking season. This arrests um, saying that he's a cocaine distributor. I think it's so interesting that Ramona talks about her love life like I don't I never want to be a part of the lifestyle and you've been the two people the two men you've been linked to that we know about were part of the lifestyle. I also want to acknowledge that when you grow up idolizing uh, men, who break the law and have flashy cars and get quick money and live a certain way, it is very hard to move away from that. As you can see, most of the women on this show have not moved away from it. So even while I acknowledge that, though, she still is, this is still like a thing that happened. Um, so... And then she goes, "It was a set. It was planned." I'm like, "Yeah, it was planned. This wasn't a traffic stop. Unmarked cars don't generally do traffic stops like that. I mean, sometimes they do, but usually that's because they have decided they're going to come pick your ass up, and that's how they get you. And you're lucky you weren't at home and it didn't kick in your fucking door. By the way, when they do all that searching and shit, they don't clean it up. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you don't want to be." in a lifestyle where you're doing things illegally and feds are putting warrants on you and shit. There's a lot of fucking reasons. But one of the small reasons is that they come in your house, they fuck it up, and then they leave. <laughs> That's one of the small reasons. So after that scene, we're, get, we're nearing the end of the episode. Carla and Renee sit down, and Renee reads her the fucking letter. And this is excruciating to me. I wish that she just gave Carla the letter just so she can read it. If it were me, I would have snatched it out of her fucking hands. I hate when people read to me. Um, she she read her as this this, like this was the intervention. She was telling her her bottom lines. It was, but they talk about the boyfriend situation again, and it seems like they come to some agreement. Renee finally understands. Like obviously she she obviously she wanted Carla to believe her. However, this idea that you would say that. My boyfriend touched you. I don't know you to be extremely like truthful person. And we're like in a space, like in front of people, like in a club or something like that. And you expect me to turn around and punch him in his face and leave. I don't like that's what Renee wanted. And Carlo really didn't react that way. And that really hurt Renee's feelings. Um, So they talked about that. And finally, Renee is now going, okay. well, I get it. Okay, good. Did you, did you understand that, like, Carla had to, like, think about this, talk to people. It's, it's And also, Carla, listen, Carla's kind of boring, okay? Carla's not going to, like, get it popping in this place, you know? She's going to go home, sleep for a while, talk to, her, you know, some girlfriends, go out for some drinks, take her kids to camp, do all that shit. And then she's going to be like, you know what, I probably should let this boyfriend go because... Um, he embarrassed me out and I don't know whether he actually grabbed Renee, but it seems like he might have. And I just don't and I and I just don't believe him enough to, to to take his side. So you know what? Never mind. Like that's that's what Carla does. Carla says Renee must be happy because she has Junior and she is a changed person because she wrote a letter instead of screaming at her. Okay. I I think it serves Renee to make up with Carla right now because the more she walks around telling people how terrible Carla is and how Carla did this to her and how Carla did that to her, the more it makes it very clear that this is like a, a real wild issue that everyone's like, what, <laughs> what? And the thing is, maybe the thing underneath it all is the boyfriend thing, and that's what I'm sensing. But Carla's not even with that boyfriend anymore. So you're claiming you guys have been friends for 27 years. And if you have, she's like family, okay. If you have, then and Carla and Renee is also like I think being family means like getting through bumps and bruises. You fight, you make up, you cuss each other out, you do all that stuff, and you come back together again. Okay, well then come back together again. Forgive her if that's what you think is supposed to happen. But trying to hold this grudge because she didn't immediately break up with a boyfriend you didn't like, or that you claim. I really wish I could remember what actually happened. You keep saying touched you. Like he he grabbed your ass or like his... Are you saying that he came up to you and grabbed your ass? Like put his hands on your ass and squeezed? Are you saying that he that he slid by you and his hand was a place it shouldn't have been? Um, but it wasn't overt. Are you saying that he just leaned over and put his hand on your ass? And the reason I'm asking these things is because... They are different things. Like if he overtly came to you and grabbed your ass, I mean, there's no, no way to interpret that. But someone sliding past you, um, I know sometimes people use that to like do things they have no business doing. But also there's room for interpretation there. Like I just, I want to know how close is room for interpretation. And I got a feeling there was a lot of room for interpretation. And that's why Carl didn't turn around and go, I'm done with you and I'm leaving. Like, <laughs> but that's what Renee wanted because that's what Renee would have done. But wait a minute. Would Renee have done that? <laughs> would she? Did you see how she's running back and forth with Junior and how well, we broke up 12 years ago and I'm still in love. I'm still in love with you and I you're the only one I've ever loved. And he had a girlfriend and she's still making all the arrangements for him and doing his laundry and yada, yada, yada. I'm the, the, like, would Renee have done that? I don't think so. But I think if I asked Renee that she'd be like, well, he's the father of my children. That's just some boyfriend she had, I don't know. Whatever. All right, so we hit the last scene of the episode. Um, now that Carla and Renee have made up, Renee has decided that Karen, Carla, Drita, and Ramona all need to make up. And I'm gonna just put it out there. Honestly, I think Ramona has more problems on it. Like I said, being arrested, um, Ramona has four children five children Ramona has five children uh, Ramona has just gotten back to the states Ramona's broke Ramona is dating a cocaine dealer <laughs> and she just got fucking arrested and her home is up in, like she was in the process of moving in with this man so like Ramona, Ramona's got a lot of shit going on guys I don't think she needs to be worried about whether she wants to fight with Carla or not Carla and Drita or whatever Carla says she doesn't even know Ramona and therefore doesn't want to figure out things with her. Listen, that's a valid fucking point. That, you know, she says that she and Renee have known each other a very long time. So if she and Renee are having an argument, she doesn't, she she said that she feels comfortable having Renee in her home and she trusts her and that she can like come and talk about it. Ramona is not the same way. And so, and again, what they're not saying is that we're on a TV show. And so we need to be able to film together so you guys have to make up. Production saying that. You guys need to come together. You need to at least discuss your issues on the show so that we can film it and send it to VH1. But Carla is more like real life, okay? Carla... <laughs> Carla's more like... In real life, I don't really fucking know you and I ain't got to like you, so what, what am I trying to work out problems with you for? Fuck it. You know? But in reality, TV show life... We're going to have to have this conversation. Uh, Rem- <laughs> Renee says she's tired of the bullshit and wants it over. Renee, is that just like your favorite thing to say? Oh, I want to talk... I, I need. I forgot to mention, when Renee comes to that... They're all sitting out having drinks with Big Ange. And they're on the beach. They're with- on white couches. Renee looks... Renee has this face, guys. Renee's face changes so fucking much. Renee is out there. Renee has green eyes and she's got this heavy eyeliner i think i believe she's wearing some sort of animal on her some sort of fur and her face is kind of a real thin at the time renee looks like the cheshire cat to me she has this big like smile all these fucking teeth and these like kind of dizzy eyes but then in the confessional she's all dark hair and and darkish eyes and like she looks very much like a mafia princess. But again, that's what Renée thinks of herself as. So, we get to uh, we get to the scenes for next week. Next week, Renée has some kind of meltdown over whether Junior left crumbs on the counter. Now, I too don't want any crumbs on my counter, but she's like throwing herself, she's screaming. The girls are all just looking at her. <laughs> We'll find out more about Ramona's arrest, which, I mean, I figure i have already spoiled it for you, but either way, you we'll find out more about Ramona's arrest and we'll talk more about her boyfriend and her kids and all that. Um, and it's Karen's turn to be, to be uh, for, like there for Ramona. The thing is though, I've read this somewhere. Maybe I forgot to say it. Ramona's grandfather ends up testifying against... I don't know whoever's in charge of Bonanno crime family, and we don't talk about that, right? Karen's whole shit is that her father was was a big guy in the mob, killed a bunch of people, did all this stuff, and then and then testified, and that made her pariah in her entire community. I'm not downplaying that, by the way. Like Karen grew up like a mafia princess, just like fucking Renee. All her friends were in the lifestyle. All her friends were in that community and had been in that community since she was a little fucking girl. Like that, that was her entire fucking life. And then, and then all of a sudden, not only when her father gets arrested already that, you know, that, that changes a lot of things. But then once he starts to decide, it's out that he's going to testify. Well, one, she's not safe on the fucking streets. Two, all of her friends and family and people that she consider friends and family for life don't fuck with her no more. Even if she is, even if they're not going to kill her. And then she's got to leave with him and go to Arizona. I mean, I know Arizona's like, when you talk about witness protection plan, Arizona comes up a lot, especially for, for mafia hitmen. But... There's a big difference between Staten Island and Arizona. That's all. So, yeah, like, that was really tough on her. But is it because Ramona is so far removed from her grandfather and the lifestyle, and growing up they didn't really talk to her about it? Is it because, is that why, like, or is that the thing that Ramona is is saying they lied on her grandfather about? Because I don't know. I feel like that's a thing that you can pretty easily verify. <sighs> anyway, and next week, um, somebody in Karen's life gets arrested. I think it's her baby daddy, maybe. Who knows? Rest all around. You get arrested, you get arrested, you get arrested. Until next week, guys. Later.